The loss of my first child was the epitome of heartbreak for me. I felt like a tremendous failure to my husband and as a woman. When my marriage ended, I felt bamboozled as if life was one big joke at my expense. Both tragedies taught me how unfair life can be, but also exposed an opportunity for faith to carry me. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope, and that was a quote from Fatima Oliver. She is my guest today, and I look forward, as I know you are, to hearing her story. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Fatima Oliver is a wife, mother of four boys, an author, and my best friend because she's an extreme lover of chocolate. (laughs) I have never had anybody say that before, so I think millions of people are relating at this moment. (laughs) It's my weakness. (laughs) Fatima has embraced self-discovery and acceptance by challenging insecurity, anxiety, and depression from childhood trauma, heartbreak, and physical abuse. The result brought tremendous breakthroughs in her life and helped cultivate some baby steps that she is going to share with us today. Welcome, Fatima. Thank you so much, Miss Carol. I'm so grateful to be here. Let's start with your story. Now, in the beginning, in the intro, we said that you had lost a child and also uh, your marriage breakup. So would you share that story, please? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually got married the day after my 21st birthday. Why didn't anybody tell me not to do that? (laughs) I'll never know. I fell in love um, with my high school sweetheart and uh, we got married. I was I was just enamored with him and I really didn't have any clue of what was to come, what marriage was mm-hmm. like, what mm-hmm. you know, just nothing. And um I never saw any signs of any abuse, nothing. Um, not even a pink flag, I'd say. And really? So wow. no, I truly didn't for the three year three, four years that we dated. <clears throat> And then the, like about a week or two weeks after we got married is when it really became a hellish type of situation. Mm. Um, you know, I, I remember myself running, sprinting to my car to jump into it because he was chasing me. And um, and that was just such a tremendous reality of like, oh, my God, I, I 
thought I knew this person. I have no clue what uh-huh, I've just gotten myself uh-huh. into. And so, you know, we were together for 12 years, nine years married, and it was very tumultuous. Um, whenever I, he would disagree or I, I would disagree with him, you know, there, there was abuse. He uh-huh, would say uh-huh. he'd have blackouts. And um, basically that he he wouldn't remember anything else. You know, he wouldn't remember chasing me with a hammer. He wouldn't remember picking me up and dropping me. And he was 300 and something um, pounds and I was about 120. And so, um, you know, he would pick Uh me up and slam me or throw me by my neck. And out of all the things that occurred, you know, in the relationship, I I thought that I could change him. I thought that Amazing. you know maybe if it was something that I could do better as a wife, a new wife, that things would things would get better. And um, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. You know, it only got more comfortable. I think comfortable for him and comfortable mm-hmm. for myself because I figured this is all I was worth having. And um, so yeah, um, I didn't really hide the abuse, but I didn't tell anybody uh, too much either. Because at some point, I just really believed that this is all my life was supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, it was a very, very dark time for me. And in the process of that, I did um, get pregnant. And um, my family, we never thought that I would be able to conceive. I was like that last cousin in the group that just, mm-hmm. you know, just just couldn't seem to get pregnant. And so um, when I did, it was just like a shock for everybody. And um, it was just an awesome moment. I remember buying all the girl items <laughs> and getting the getting the crib and you know getting crochet blankets <laughs> and all that type of stuff. And um, it was just really pretty exciting. And when I was 23 weeks, um, about well, actually 20 weeks, I found out that I had. Uh, an infection or uh, and which caused me to have an incompetent cervix and was rushed to the hospital and they did a procedure on me and to try to to try to keep my baby um, you know holding on Mm -hmm, strong mm -hmm. and I actually wound up having to have that procedure done twice and neither one of them took and I wound up um, giving birth early at 23 weeks and she was actually one pound, three ounce. And, um, you know, we, we prayed and prayed for her to be able to hold on. Um, but eventually she passed away and I wasn't able to have that bonding time, um, that first hold, uh, touch of her skin until she actually passed away. So it was a very, very, just a, just a dark time, you know, in my life. So young, yes. Um, you know, it was just, it just felt like um, darkness was around me, and it would continue to cloud over me. <clears throat> and I had to, um, you know, bury her, and and it was just an experience that you never think that you're going to have in your life, you know, especially in your twenties yes. when it's supposed to be vibrant, and this is what you're experiencing. And so it was a very, very dark, lonely time because no matter how much people try to understand, they simply can't unless they've been through right. that type of tragedy. It is a very isolating, very lonely. Um, moment in time and that coupled with abuse and um, and just not being able to have anybody around to speak Uh with you know it's it's definitely a very very lonely time and and really 
um, just enhanced my um, already uh, depression that, you know, that I wrestled with at such a young age. Yes. I know for me, um, I had dealt with depression. I I didn't even know what it was. You know, I I grew up just sad. I was the only girl out of, I actually had five brothers and I was the only girl. My mom had three boys. My, my dad had the other two. And so she raised me how she raised them. So it was a very tough military style type of, um, mm, you know, type, yes. of, type of upbringing. And I just, you know, got in where I fit in, basically, Carol. It was, you know, there wasn't <laughs> any princess in a tutu swirling around the boys. It was nothing like that. Um, it was, you know, boys would be boys and, and they wanted to make me cry. And, and I learned to be. Um, tough that way, but also to not be in touch with my emotions also. Hmm, And so, yeah, you know, because we didn't have time for emotions. And so I never learned how to process much of anything that I felt outside of anger. And so growing up that way, now I'm in a space where I've lost one of the, the, the most just closest piece of myself and I don't know how to process it. And I'm going through Mm -hmm. a a horrible, tumultuous, um, you know, domestic abuse, just horrific abuse. And I don't know how to process it. And I don't know how to tell people because I'll feel like I'm weak and I'm not a good wife because I can't handle this. And, um, and what does that mean anyway, being a good wife? I still don't have a clue. (laughs) (laughs) I still don't know. (laughs) But, you know, you know, at that age, I just, I just wanted to do everything right. I just wanted to do everything right because I learned at such a young age that, that was the way that you diffused abuse, seeing my stepfather beat my mom and, and him beating me and my younger brother, um, I'm sorry, me and my older oh, brother and tying wow. us up to chairs. I learned at such a young age, six, seven years old, to do as much right as possible to try to diffuse situations. Right, right. And so I grew up with that mindset and that's where I lived. So if I couldn't fix it, something must be wrong with me. And, um, and, and so, yeah, it took a very long time for me to get to a place where I understood that there had to be more to life than this and that there had to be some type of hope. And even though I did not know my self-worth, I really didn't, even though I didn't know that there had to be something more like this just couldn't be what my life is going to be for the rest of my life. And that's really when things started to turn around for me as far as my mindset, not the activities that was happening, but my mindset. And I really think that that's what had to happen first in order for me to be able to make the steps to leave. Um, But even in leaving, it was tough. I stayed for nine years in this relationship and he was my high school sweetheart. And I just really thought for so many years that I could change him. Mm -hmm. And even when there was womanizing, that I could change him. And um and then once I realized I couldn't, I had that reality of, well, how do I leave? I don't have anything. I don't have right, a job. Right. I don't have a car. He's the main breadwinner. I have a, I have a child now. He's two. And, you know, how am I going to take care of him? So, so then I, st- I stayed longer because I didn't have anything. Right. And, and just trying to, you know, do the best that I could to figure out how to go from nothing to something, you know. And um, at some point in time, which, like I said, it took a while, but at some point in time, I got to that place where I said, you know what, it doesn't matter if I have to start over and sleep on my cousin's couch. That's what I'll do. 
And um, I eventually was able to get up the nerve to tell someone, this is what's happening to me. No, my life is not perfect. It doesn't matter where I live. (laughs) Uh It doesn't matter how many times I go to church and we sing together. Uh, None of that matters. The reality is that my life is hell and I'm in this abusive relationship and it's not going to change and I need to get out. And so one day he left for, uh, he was an entertainer. And um, we both were in in some right. And so he left to go on a gig. And when he left, I packed up everything that I could and fit it into my white little Honda and and moved to my cousin's home and slept on her couch and and started my life over from there. It was tough. You know, It, it was not easy. And maybe somewhere in my head, I thought if I leave him, it's all of a sudden I'm going to see the rainbow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you're laughing. (laughs) Because because that is so not what happened. Like it didn't get, it didn't get easy overnight. You know, it was, I had to start from the ground up. You know, I had to be um, the same determination that I had to try to make my marriage work when it was clear it wasn't going to is the same type of grit and tenacity I had to have to pick myself up from my bootstraps and survive for the sake of my son and, um, and, and work those hours that I didn't want to work, you know, and, and get mom and them to babysit my child because um, I couldn't afford to, to go to a daycare and I really couldn't afford them. <laughs> I really couldn't afford them. And, um, and just doing everything that I possibly could to, to survive. And I don't necessarily mean having my own apartment. I mean, still sleeping in my cousin's house, right, right. but just trying to piece, piece my life together. Um, and it definitely wasn't, um, it was, it just wasn't what I expected. Life wasn't what I expected. Being a grown up was not what I expected. Being a mother was not what I expected. It, it was very, very much for a lot, a lot of my years, uh, younger years, it was just a very dark time for me. But I'm so grateful that I didn't give up. And I'm so grateful that I, I had enough of that grit from my mom to put one foot in front of the other and sometimes crawl through situations mm-hmm. um, to be able to get to a place where those tragic moments were a little farther behind me as I kept moving forward. And eventually, um, you know, I would learn that the emotional residue of those moments were still with me. And, um, and, and I had to learn to process those later in my life. You know, much later in my life, I wound up revisiting those horrible moments in time to really process what I survived. Maybe not at the time, but I'm certain after, like today, you realized what you were learning. And when you were going through it, you don't feel like you're being educated, right? Yeah. <laughs> but because <laughs> you're just dealing with all, you know, all the fallout. But now that you reflect, which is what you just started to say, you realize what you have learned. And I know that that is part of what you're going to share today. Now, you went through many emotions. Just share a little bit about what you were feeling on that journey from such a broken woman to somebody who is now very strong. Without sharing too much, just a little bit about that time of your life, that, that time when you were healing, your healing journey. The thing about healing is first you got to feel the wound, right? And so there was a lot of 
chaoticness in my space. There was a lot of confusion. Um, but there was that piece of me that felt like if I would just have the courage to to just look deeper into um, that emotional baggage, that there would be such promise. Didn't know what that looked like, but that there would be promise. And so, um, so there, there, there was definite confusion of why, why me, why, why did I have to go through these things? Um, but and there was feeling of shame, a lot of shame. I would say in working through the healing journey, there was so much reflectiveness in regards to, you know, what I'm stronger than I thought I was. You know, right. Yeah, I don't give myself enough credit. <laughs> I'm pretty strong. I saw myself as a more compassionate being. You know, I, I saw myself as just someone who, who really needed to give herself a little bit more grace. Mm-hmm. And um, um, because of the situations that I'd been through and, and walked through in my time, and, you know, just just growing and learning. <clears throat> but I think overall, I felt the more that I worked through my healing process, the more relieved I felt and the more free I felt. And I thought living as an adult, you know, we say we turn 18, we're free. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I knew what freedom felt like all those years because I was an independent woman, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think I, that I truly experienced freedom from the inside out until I started healing to where I felt free to not feel the shame of my situations that I had encountered, that I didn't feel condemnation. I didn't feel um, guilt for any decisions that I had to make that I felt were the best decisions at the time, that I don't carry that anymore. And so there were a lot of years where I did, but walking through the healing journey, I was able to take on a a wardrobe of freedom that allowed me to drop those old garments of guilt and regret and um, bitterness and, and, and a lot of shame, a lot of shame. You know, the shame of not being able to make a marriage work that really was inevitably not going to, but, you know, the shame of, of having to walk away or the shame of being an abused woman. When I said, I'll never marry a man who's going to treat me a certain way. And then you, <laughs> then you, you wind it. up. Right. You, you know, yeah, you know, and just just really, really, really learning to give my younger self grace. Meaning, yes. Fatima, you didn't know any better. You know, you didn't exactly. know what love looked like yes. to begin with. So when you felt you were getting it, you just jumped in, you know, with loyalty like you would for anybody, like you would with, you know, with your upgraded husband, I'll say. <laughs> Well, I think that there are a lot of people already that are relating to this story. I mean, I don't think it is an unusual story in that respect. And I know that you would agree with me on that. However, how you dealt with it, how you came through as a victor instead of a victim, these are things that we do need to hear from you today. And this is the exciting part. And I thank you for sharing that from your heart. Now you also, we're going to take a short 30 second break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about that healing journey, what people can do. And also you have an incredible offer for the audience today that I think is very generous of you. So we will talk about that when we return. 
Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another. Gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. With me today on Never Ever Give Up Hope, I have Fatima Oliver, and she has been sharing her story of abuse and neglect and pain and anxiety and all those negative things that has really made her what she is today, which is a strong, focused woman. And as I promised, she is going to have an offer for the audience today and how you can become strong and focused no matter what you have experienced or what you may be going through. So I'm excited to hear those steps which she's going to share now. And then also, don't forget to stay tuned because she has an offer for the audience today that you are going to really appreciate. Tell us now, you have three steps that, that you have given me. The first one, which I appreciate, and I know that the audience will as well, and that was, we are not meant to do life alone. What a her terrific statement that everyone needs a safe place to fall. So yeah. share a little bit about that. The reality is, is that we all need community. You know, we all need community. And so I strongly believe in a safe place because that's what helped me. There was one person when I was going through, um, you know, the cycle of domestic abuse and I kept complaining about how I wanted to leave, but I hadn't left. And there was one person that I felt that I could truly be vulnerable and honest with that didn't try to fix me. They just listened. And at one point, they were able to give me the type of life-altering um, advice that truly, truly, truly put the ball back into my court to, to help me to see that my life is, is my responsibility. And, and that's what I mean by a safe place, some, some place where you can go and that person truly, truly has your best interest at heart. Not all the time will that be a spouse. Not all the time will that be a family member. Sometimes you have to pay for that safe place. Sometimes that has to be therapy, um, a therapist, you know, or a psychiatrist. Um, but I truly, truly believe in it. It's like if you can imagine you are looking horrible, you've had the most horrible day, your hair is all over the place, you're snotting all over the place, you have on the same clothes for two days, <laughs> and the person knocks on the door, comes in, and they help you clean your house. And they don't judge you and say, why are you looking like this? Oh, my God, you stink. They come in, and they clean your house for you, and they sit with you, and they prepare a meal for you. That's your safe place where you can... Um, Carolyn Leaf says it, how, um, you can freak out in the love zone. It's a place where you can be your most vulnerable and you know, without a doubt that you're not going to be scrutinized 
or judged. You know, it's just a place to be yourself. And it doesn't mean that you're going to do the actions. You know, if you're in a horrible situation and you want to slash some tires, you can literally say, I just feel like slashing tires. Doesn't mean you're going to go do it, but you need some place, <laughs> right? Where you can say these things that aren't the most flattering, but that person understands that that's just how upset you are. And they're able to sit with you and talk with you and counsel with you and, and encourage you and support you and laugh with you and cry with you. You uh-huh. know, that's your safe place. And everybody needs one of those spaces. And I do believe that it's available for everybody. Just sometimes we have to look a little harder to find it. Very well stated. Thank you. Now, another, your next point that you made is that it is critical to change a victim mentality to a victor mindset. I believe that that is the goal of many people, but hopefully you can help us to make that easier than the way it sounds. Yeah, because it's tough. It was tough for me. I didn't like that. (laughs) I didn't like that at all. I really didn't because the reality is that I have been through so many things in my life that were not my fault. And it's not just the domestic abuse. It's not just the loss of a child. I was burned on 25% of my body at the age of two. Um, my, my stepfather, you know, um, one, one stepfather, uh, uh, beat, um, me and my older brother and, and my mom. And so she couldn't stand up for us, but that wasn't my fault. And another one, um, molested me. That wasn't my fault. So I grew up with all of this horribleness happening to me and placing me continuously in the victim role. Right. Right. And so at some point, you can get to this place where you're thinking nothing's good going to ever happen for me, which is where I lived. I lived on that road for a long time. Nothing will ever happen good for me because this is just how my life has always been. So why would it change now? The thing is, is that is self-sabotage. And if we decide to live in that space, all those people who have done such cruelty to us, they win. And we can allow them to have that type of power over our lives. So because of that, we must make a decision. And that decision is to take all those things that were unfair, right, that right. were cruel, that were things that probably that we we made a bad decision and it, and it catapulted in something horrific. Things happen. But that we allow those moments that have happened to us that have brought such pain and we allow ourselves to use them to turn something good out of it. Right. And so that could be anything. If you have been sexually abused, you maybe join a group with other people who have gone through those experiences and start sharing your story. Anything that you can do to turn that horribleness into a victory for yourself. I really believe that the more we walk into those type of steps, the easier it is for us to see that there is hope for our lives. But we have to make that conscious decision that I will not allow the bitterness and the anger and the hurt Uh that has occurred in my life to rule my life. And that was a personal decision that I had to make. At some point, I had to say, my life has to mean more. I have to change it to 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 be more and 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 I, I have to change the narrative of my life and that's what we all are responsible for we may not be responsible for the things that have happened to us but unfortunately we are definitely responsible for changing it changing the the dynamic of our lives that's our responsibility as a human and your next point i really appreciate as well which is releasing people from great 
expectations is the pathway to forgiveness. And I'm sure yeah. that you can address that. Yeah, I think and and just in 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 what my last point was, a lot of that can be because of those expectations. Like before I understood domestic abuse, I felt why didn't my mom do anything? Why couldn't she step oh. in and help me in certain situations? But the the older I got, the more mature I got, the more education I got, I was able to see what well, she was abused also. What could I have expected from her? Like really? Like, what realistically could she have done for me? And she was also being abused by the same man. And yeah, so really. in that space of understanding, it can bring an opportunity for forgiveness, right? So it is viewing different perspectives, like d- viewing the perspective outside of your pain. We have a painful perspective because we lived it. But trying to see the other perspectives that was a part of that scenario, it doesn't mean that it makes it okay. But I just believe that understanding can definitely help, you know, in releasing those expectations, because sometimes they're like very overreaching expectations that we have of people that we may not even have for ourselves to uphold. Right. And so, you know, it doesn't mean that that's for every situation, but I definitely believe in looking at each scenario that have caused us a hurt or hang up reviewing it deeply and saying, is there another perspective that I could look at outside of my pain, outside Uh of my uh pain and viewing those other perspectives to try to get a fuller picture of the situation, the circumstances. It doesn't, it may not take away the fact that this incident happened to me and that was unfair, but it may open up the door for you to be able to say, you know what? I could understand why they made that decision. It doesn't mean it didn't hurt me, but I could understand it better. And so in that, that automatically makes room for a conversation that can happen that may not have been able to happen if you wouldn't have looked at that perspective. And that's all I'm offering is that opportunity to to have conversations that you may not have been willing to have because you are only seeing the perspective from your painful point of view. That was very strong. Excellent, excellent point. Yeah, now, but the reality I, is, Carol, it's it's not easy. No, of course and it so isn't. And so nothing that and I'm saying is easy, no. but it, it's about how bad is your want to? How bad That's do you right. want to have a better life? And then you walk one step at a time, baby steps. Now tell us about your books. Yes. So thank you so much for that. So um, the book that I wrote, which I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to do this, was is called The Prescription is in the Dirt. And so... <laughs> So, yeah, it, it basically, you know, now that we've talked about all of the dirt, um, that is truly what it, what the book um, was um, what was derived from. It was my life, my testimonies, the things that I crawled through, I like to say, because <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was trying to survive just like anybody would be trying to survive if they've gone through um, horrific situations in their life. But through those um, different um, incidences that I did have to face. There was a spiritual aspect that I honed in on. There was the physical aspect, the emotional, the mental um, aspect. And so I share those, um, all of that in, in my book. And so I talk about the death of my child in so much more detail. I talk about the abuse and I talk about being um, the the uh, my relationships with my brothers and and how that um, impacted me being able mm-hmm. to process emotionally and just the expectations of my mom, all my different relationships, and how a lot of it was dirty, 
And, um, but just understanding that if you don't run away from that dirt and you get yourself immersed and you dig down in that dirt, that something beautiful always grows from, (laughs) from dirt, like the flowers, right? But you got to get down there and prune and you got to get down there and, and turn that dirt, right? And not be afraid to get your hands dirty. And that's what you have to do for your own life. And that's what I had to do. And so that's why the book is called The Prescription is in the Dirt, because there, man, so much healing, so much healing is sitting right in the midst of your pain. If you only like not be afraid to look at it head on, you know, live in that mess a little bit, dig down deep and get to the core issues of why you do the things that you do or why you behave in the way that you behave or think the way that you think. There is a reason for everything. Digging deep down in, into that stuff will definitely bring out just tremendous healing if you're brave enough to do it. And that brings us to your offer, which I think is very generous of you. So please share what you are offering the audience. Yeah, so I would love to be able to um, just be there as a support you know, to anyone who's starting their process of transition, you know, whether they're leaving a tumultuous situation or whether they have but haven't really processed the the emotional aspect of what they have survived, um, I'm offering a 20-minute session with me. Um, You could go to my website, FatimaC.com, and um, go to uh, sessions and book a session with me, a 20-minute session. And I am truly just there to listen. I really believe there is such value in listening. You know, a lot of times we talk a lot. I know I talk a lot. Um, <laughs> but, um, there is such, a, a just a healing balm, I think, in being able to listen. And so I just want to be there as a support to listen to anything that is a hurt or hang up, but also any victory that you have that you don't feel like you have anybody to share it with and let's celebrate together or let's brainstorm together, you know? Um, let me encourage you um, in 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 the direction or the strategies that I've taken. Reach out to me for your 20-minute session, and I'll definitely be there to support you and just listen to whatever you want to talk about. That is so gracious of you. I, I feel like I want to talk to you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get in there and book my time. So in conclusion, is there anything that you want to summarize or say as an encouraging word? Yeah, I think that it's important to give yourself some grace. Think about it this way, that when you were a kid, you know, you did kiddish stuff, right? And so the things that you've gone through in your life, you made the best decisions at that time. And you've grown now, you, you've evolved more, and you're more mature. And so would you make better decisions? Probably yes, right? Give yourself grace, give your younger self grace for the decisions that you had to make in that moment, right? When you were going through whatever the situation was that you were going through, when you were surviving, whatever it was that you were surviving, let yourself be free of the guilt and the self-condemnation. Release yourself of that. Give yourself a break. There's enough people out in this world that judge you and ridicule you and tell you you're less than. Don't help them by doing that to yourself, okay? And Um, it's hard to change that habit, 
but it's worth it because you're worth it. And I truly, truly believe that there is such greatness in all of us that is wasting to, waiting to burst out. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but there's just a little bit of work that we have to do to give it room for that to happen. And so I would say to anyone listening, don't be afraid of the work. You know, unfortunately, it is our responsibility as, as much as we're breathing to um, evolve and to grow and to mature and to be able to put our hand back and pull up the next person. That's our responsibility as a human. And but first it starts with us and working on ourselves. Don't be afraid of the work. Don't run away from the work. If you see uh-huh, something in uh-huh. you that's not right, investigate it to the core and work to resolve it with the baby step approach. That's so interesting that you said that because just this morning I released my YouTube video, which was on freeing yourself from guilt and self-condemnation. Okay. All right. Talk about timing, right? Yeah. That's a confirmation <laughs> exactly. that I think the world must need to exactly. hear that. Exactly. That's why I agree 100%. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much, Fatima. for You have shared not just your story, but so many uplifting things that we can do. And I really appreciate, again, of you making it very exquisitely clear that this is work. Yeah. It's not a band-aid. You're not going to just take the band-aid so someone else can come along and rip it off. Hmm. You are getting in there and you're doing the work to bring real change and to bring real healing. So I thank you for all the steps that you laid out and for sharing your story and for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.